Hosea 14. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. You know, our imaginations serve as a way for us to visualize things that aren't immediately in front of us. Imagination is something that's unique to humans. Animals simply respond to stimuli. And even when you see these cute uh, elephant videos drawing and painting, that's no small feat in itself. But they are conveying something that they have already been trained to do. You know, birds fly off into the horizon, not because they are wondering what kind of adventures lie ahead of them or new kinds of food that they eat when they travel to the other end of the horizon. But they migrate because the season is changing. Humans see a horizon and wonder what could lie beyond there. New lands, new opportunities, new lives. A horse might come to the edge of a cliff and look for a different path around. But humans see a chasm and think of what they could build to get to the other side. Child development experts advocate for stimulating children's imagination. So children, if you're listening, use your imaginations. There are wonderful ways for you to explore all these ideas and images without being constrained by what's around you immediately. And this is how you're going to learn how to solve problems in the future and come up with new solutions It's a new way of seeing and being, which develops uh, important things in your mind. And this helps you with the rest of your life. In Hosea, we see a book full of imagination. Hosea uses imagery and imagination for a purpose, to help Israel solve their problems of unfaithfulness and return to the Lord. But for generations, Israel's imagination has been distorted. They've been They've been seeking after these fluttering images, like a wanderer is seeking for a desert oasis that offers hope, but disappears the moment that wanderer arrives and finds themselves even more thirsty and even more weary. You know, as we come to the final message in this Pursuing Love message series on the book of Hosea, we're going to be looking at how God transforms the... um, 
how God transforms the imagination of Israel through the words of Hosea. And because God lovingly transforms their imagination, God can do the same for everyone who responds to God's pursuing love. Renewing imagination. Uh, trans, uh, trans, tra- oh, yeah. So here's how we're going to walk through it. A broken imagination, a renewed imagination, and how we transform that imagination, and that how it leads to a transformed reality. You know, as you look through the book of Hosea, you'll see it's filled with metaphors and similes for Israel. The image of an unfaithful wife dominates those first few chapters to compare Israel's unfaithfulness in their partnership with the Lord. But as we move further into Hosea, Israel is compared to an oven or a cake or a dove or a treacherous bow in chapter 7 4 to 16. And these point to Israel's hypocrisy that God described in chapter 8. And when we get to chapters 9 to 11, Israel is compared to grapes and to a vine and to a calf and to a toddler. All these images conjure up imagination for what, where Israel is headed towards. They're, they point out their dependence on Israel's alliance with empires that offer security in chapters 11 and 12. What Hosea is doing is filling the collective mind of Israel with images of where their future is headed towards. And these images point out Israel's imagination in, in choosing uh, for, for where their hope comes from. But in choosing other gods and trusting in other empires, they were rejecting the one they were to hope in. The images we see are earthy, they're organic, they're deeply connected to the land. And this made sense for Israel because they lived and depended on the land. The surrounding uh, culture worshipped Baals, who are a fertility religion that demanded sacrifices to different lords and masters of nature through temple prostitution with the hope that the fertility of the land, their livelihood would be enhanced by their sacrifices. They imagined that their actions would result in fruitfulness and prosperity. They imagined that aligning and partnering with these empires like Egypt and Assyria would buy them the security they sought for. And the Lord paints these not-so-pretty images, implying that apart from this relationship with the Lord, here is what your life is going to be like. Hosea opens the imagination to what things are like, and how they might be. You know, over recent weeks, we've also been inundated with images that have revealed the broken parts of our nation. Though we just celebrated Juneteenth to mark the end of slavery in America, we find that its long shadow still remains. Through decades of policies that disproportionately affect different segments of our population, we see that racism still pervades in our society. Racialized policing takes place against people of color, but especially against black women and men. Because of unequal access to health care and services, we see clear unequal health outcomes. You know, our images for prosperity that we have in our mind may not be agricultural, but they may be just as stark. These imaginations might be f- driven by me- metrics, 
Take a look at this, uh, these COVID stats. You know, we've got, uh, in, when it comes to, yeah, when, take a look at these COVID stats here in D.C. In a city where 46% of people are white and 46% are, are people are black, blacks make up 50% of the cases of COVID here in D.C. and 74% of all the deaths. They make up almost half, but they make up 74, half of the population, but almost 74, 74% of all those that have died, compared to 20% of the cases for whites and 13% of deaths for whites. Those are stark differences. When it comes to crime, we see that homicide rates have been trending upwards over the past 10 years, despite all this money being dumped into the system. With regards to educational outcomes, here's this chart you can see of uh, educational outcomes. Things are improving overall, but you'll see that there are stark outcomes dependent on race. When it comes to income and wealth, black household income is 60% that of white households, but black households only hold one-tenth of the wealth. In D.C., 50% of blacks own homes, compared to 70% of whites who own theirs. With images like these, what kind of future does our imagination take us to? How desirable is that future for all when there's this much disparity? In some ways, the events over the past few months, actually every single week, it seems to be like another death, unnecessary death. It's revealing a re different reality for many black and brown bodies. These events reveal how precarious our culture and society have been. Though some might feel safe and some might feel comfortable, that sense of safety and prosperity isn't experienced in the same way if you have a different color skin. So how do we change our imaginations for what is possible? In Hosea, we find that despite the broken imaginations of Israel that turn away from the Lord, God loves them immensely and does not give up on them. As we learned last week, there is beauty in the discipline of the Lord. Yet that discipline for their unfaithfulness is not unrelenting. God does not change their imagination by force or by uh, oppression. God lovingly pursues them. Peppered throughout the book, we are reminded, like Israel was, that our imaginations are renewed instead by love, by God's pursuing love. Hosea chapter 1 is brutally honest in God's call for Hosea to marry an unfaithful woman and give his children cursed names, but it also ends with verse 10 saying this, yet the Israelites will not will be like sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called the children of the living God. In Hosea 11, we find one of the tender, most tender moments in how the Lord speaks to Israel when he says to them, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Chapter 14, 
We hear what a transformed imagination for Israel's future might look like. In verses 4 to 6, God promises, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots and his young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Israel, God's special people, is loved and pursued despite their idolatry and misplaced hopes. God's people will be healed of their brokenness. God's people will be beautiful and flourishing and, um, and prosperous, not spurned and used and shamed. But what's the constant in all of these images? As we've been learning throughout the book of Hosea, it's the live, faithful, loyal love of the living God that sees past the brokenness, sees past the oppression and the idolatry of Israel. It's the Lord who pursues. It's the Lord who heals. It's the Lord who, rest, uh, who restores. In some ways, as we were just singing, God's love seems rather reckless. How does Israel experience this renewed imagination? Go back to verse 1. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take your words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously. This is a familiar theme that we find throughout the, the book of Hosea. We were first introduced to it in chapter 3 when Hosea seeks out Gomer and redeems her from her lover and invites her to return home. And it's a direct repetition here in chapter 14 of chapter 6, which we heard last week when Hosea cries out to the Lord on behalf of Israel and says, Come, let us return to the Lord. What does it mean to return to the Lord? Much of the Bible uses the word sin, as we find in Hosea 14, verse 1. Sin can be called uh, can be called misplaced trust. Sin can be called living according to your own defined purpose and meaning, rather than God's purposes for you. Sin is defining your own reality and standards by yourself and refusing to be accountable for them when you are challenged. Sin is making choices that disregard the dignity of fellow human beings for your selfish gain or your sense of security. So sin goes beyond just a list of naughty things that you shouldn't be doing. This invitation to return to the Lord is acknowledging all of these things that continue to pop up in our lives. But more than acknowledging and feeling contrition before God, to return to the Lord is also in verse 2, where Hosea says, take our words with us. When we come before the living God, what we do, we want to do our best to know what we are saying before God. This suggests that turning back to God is not only speaking with honesty about where we are at in that moment, though God certainly welcomes that. But taking our words is thinking and meditating upon what it is that we need to repent of, what it is that we need to turn away from. We think about 
the impact of our thoughts and of our actions. We think about how those actions reflect a false sense of security. We reflect on our sense of control that we are not designed to hold on to. And as we name those things that go on deep inside of our hearts, we take our words to the Lord. Words of confession. Words of contrition. Words of repentance. But because the Lord, um, but because the Lord, it's the Lord that we take these words to, is not a taskmaster reveling in the groveling of his subjects, we find that God's pursuing love welcomes us in with warmth and with kindness and with joy that leads us to worship and to praise. We take not only words of confession, but we also take words of assurance and of praise. And that's why these movements are practiced regularly in our Sunday morning worship services. We're going to do that in just a moment. And doing that regularly together helps us build this muscle of taking our words to the Lord when we're by ourselves. But even more than taking our words to the Lord in confession, we take our words into action. In the final verse, Hosea speaks of walking in the righteous ways of the Lord. There he says, Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. The Hebrew understanding of righteousness is that of a right relationship. A right relationship with God that overflows into a right relationship with those around us. And within the Christian faith, those viewed as theological progressives may be committed to social action at the expense of downplaying individual repentance and life change. And on the other side of the spectrum, those viewed as theological conservatives may be committed to a change of the heart and of mind through the gospel. But sometimes that comes at the expense of downplaying the importance of how the gospel speaks to societal problems and societal change. And as we find throughout Scripture, a right relationship with God in the heart results in right relationships with those around us. A young pastor once spoke about how we still have a long, long way to go for the equal administration of justice in our country. And he invited his hearers to imagine a different future where people work together towards that future. And in particular, he said this, this progress towards the future is, quote, never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the time and the persistent work of dedicated individuals who are willing to be co-workers with God. And the ways that we can be co-workers with God is through a changed heart first, but also through changed legislation that seeks greater justice and equality for all. And this pastor continued to say, as you see on the screen, it may be true that the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heartless, and over and over again we see this. While the law may not change the hearts of men, it does change the habits of men. This young pastor's name was Martin Luther King Jr. And he shared these words at Southern Methodist University in 1966. Yet here we are, over 50 years later, 
and we are still seeing how laws continue to be unjustly administered. How do we change them? We pray, of course. That's the first thing we can do. But we can do more than that. We also take our words not only to God, but we take our words to those who serve us in city, the local city or county. You know, our local elected officials are voted in to manage budgets that directly affect the health and the welfare of our cities. Budgets are moral documents. They speak of values. They speak of priorities. They often reveal what Scripture can call idols. And these idols may not be bronze or metal sitting in prominent places that need to come down, and though certainly some of those must come down. But those idols can be idols of safety or idols of security and idols of prosperity that are not grounded in the character of the living God. We have formed and forged these idols with our vague memories and often with our fears. And these idols are revealed in our budgets rather than looking to the living God for our hope and for our security. Over the past few weeks, I was made aware of and I shared about how the D.C. Committee on Justice and Public Safety is inviting input from citizens for the 2021 budget for the D.C. Metro Police Department. So I made my testimony submission this week, just in time for the deadline. And last year, this committee received, in this process, 22 submissions. This year, they received 15. 15,000 submissions. Overwhelmingly in favor of directing more funds towards other services to complement the work of the police. Funds to go support social workers, addiction and mental health workers, and conflict resolution specialists. I think that's something to celebrate because it's a sign that people are imagining a different future and taking their words to action. It's a sign that the health and the welfare of our neighbors takes more than just the police. It takes multiple disciplines to seek the welfare of the city. And this week, I also had the opportunity to uh, participate in a press conference hosted by the Washington Interfaith Network to advocate for a budget uh, that meets the needs of the most vulnerable in our city. One fellow pastor in the city spoke, who spoke added another discipline to this team this police response team. He said, have clergy as part of that response team to address the spiritual needs of our community as well. These are ways that our imagination can be filled with God's um, idea for flourishing and peace for all. You know, as God's people return to the Lord, we find that our broken imaginations are renewed. Through a renewed imagination for what might be God's people move and speak and walk towards a different reality, a reality of righteousness, inviting others in to see that reality as well. As God's people return to the Lord, we find changed hearts, changing hearts around them in tangible ways. It may come out in activism, it may come out in voting, it may come out in protests, it may be writing to your local government representative, but as we do so, we not only are, are being 
renewing our broken imaginations, but we become part of that imagination and see that imagination become a reality to the glory of God. Amen.